Hello and welcome once again. I'm Dan Davis, Senior Pastor of Hopewell Church in the Great Lakes Bay region of mid-Michigan. I want to thank you for logging on and joining us today for worship. As we've been doing the last several weekends, we are meeting virtually as one church in multiple locations, including your own home. And as we did last week, I'm broadcasting from a home studio where in a little bit, I'll get to share a message with you from the Bible of hope and encouragement. Likewise, Pastor Billy, our worship pastor, and his wife, Amy, will lead us in worship from their own home. And while it's no fun that we don't get to be together, I am so grateful to God that he has given us the ability and the resources to stay connected during this season and to continue to give back to God the worship that he rightfully deserves. And so that's what we're going to do today. Now in a moment, I'm going to open our time with a word of prayer. And as I do, I want to invite you to join with me in prayer as we ask God to bring his healing power into the midst of this COVID-19 global pandemic, to seek his healing hand, his power, his intervention to change the course of what's going on, right? I mean, it was just a few months ago, halfway around the world when this thing started. And here we are now, it's right at our doorstep. As a matter of fact, this week, we look at the list and Michigan is right near the top, both in terms of confirmed cases and related deaths. And now I realize that a lot of that is taking place down in the Detroit area, but we're feeling the ripples up here, aren't we? In Saginaw and Bay City and the surrounding communities that you may live in. And see, while all of this has impacted our lives in some way, for some of you, that impact has been incredibly personal and deeply profound. And so I want you to know that we see you, that our heart is with you, and that we are praying for you. So let's go ahead and commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Let's seek our Heavenly Father. Ask, seek, knock, and believe that he will be merciful towards us in our great time of need. Let's pray together. And Heavenly Father, we come into your presence through the invitation and the authority of Jesus Christ as your sons, as your daughters, seeking out of a great need and a heart of desperation, your help, your grace, your mercy, your healing, your peace. Father, all of us are experiencing some kind of disruption, maybe economically, at maybe anxiousness or lord some right now may be dealing with illness and sickness either themselves or a loved one or someone they know god would you intervene god would you heal and god we are joining together believers all over the world asking you to stop this virus stop it dead in its tracks right and that lord that the sick would be healed and that the elderly the vulnerable would be spared and all of us God that you would watch over us father this is our desire and Lord as a church if there is a way that you want to use us we want to be open to that Lord our heart is with frontline workers those in the medical field emergency and first responder personnel and just really anyone who is serving in essential services God would you protect them and may they sense your peace in our prayers. So God, in this time of great uncertainty, we need you now more than ever. And so we look to you, we call upon you, and Lord, may we meet with you in our time together. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey everybody, glad you're here. Let's worship together. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, and you are my portion, you are my hiding place, I believe you are the way, 
nothing compares to your embrace, light of the glad you're worshiping with us today, friends. I'm Billy. I'm the worship pastor here at Hope Vale. And, um, well, you know, I, when I lead worship, I have a lot of people in front of me. And I was just imagining all of you worshiping with me in your homes and um, just having a moment where we're all just disappearing into God's presence for just a little while. Um, it was beautiful. Um, yeah, uh, thanks for worshiping. Well, uh, it's Palm Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday, and it's called Palm Sunday uh, because it uh, commemorates the start of Holy Week. And this beginning day, this Palm Sunday, is when Jesus rode into town on a donkey 
and the townspeople really thought this was the Messiah. And so they laid down palm branches in a way to kind of lay down like a red carpet, if you will. So they put down these palm branches, and um, so it's, it's, it commemorates this uh, Savior who has come. Uh, they, they said the word Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna means save us. So uh, they were really crying in a celebratory way, saying save us, and we're, we're glad you're here to save us, this Messiah who's come. And uh, Palm Sunday is a very unique kind of day because um, it's the very, maybe not the same group of townspeople, but it happened in the same town where these are the people that were, that believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And then uh, five days later, uh, different, maybe some of the same, maybe some different townspeople uh, shouted crucify him. So it went from Hosanna to five days later, crucify him. And, um, so it's this, these moments that we remember, these moments that we reenact and think about and worship. Just a few moments, my wife Amy is going to lead you in a song called Hosanna. It's been out for a little while. Brooke Frazier uh, made it uh, popular. Um, this song is uh, very unique, I think, because it uh, sings of uh, the first coming of Christ and Hosanna, save us. Uh, as, as we look back almost 2,000 years ago on this Palm Sunday. But the song also sings of the second coming of Christ. I think we're in a current day, in a current situation where we have a current Hosanna that we cry out to the Lord, a current way where we're saying, God save us, especially in this time of COVID-19. Uh, we're saying, God save us from this awful virus. And at the same time, uh, this song really just cries out, save us, uh, for the Lord's second coming when he comes uh, to take us home and we'll be with him forever um, in paradise and eternity. That will be a beautiful day when there's no COVID-19s and no more pain and no more sorrow. So I uh, hope you're blessed by my wife leading us in Hosanna. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Yeah. 
Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. These are the cries that echoed throughout the streets of Jerusalem nearly 2,000 years ago as Jesus ceremonially and symbolically rode into Jerusalem on a donkey in what would be his final week before the cross. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But before we do, I first want to look back at last week when we wrapped up our 31 days of prayer series. I got to tell you that I am so grateful and I am so impressed with your engagement as a church throughout this entire experience. The entire experience. So yes, that includes the Sunday services. It also includes the 31 daily audio devotionals that we sent along, which were tremendous. But even more important than that, It also includes your commitment to actually pray, to actually pray. Now, I know I've said this before, but it bears repeating that when we kicked off our 31 days of prayer series back on Sunday, March 1st, we had no idea what awaited our church, our community, our region, our state, our country, our world. We had no idea, but God did. And in his providential timing, I truly believe that he was preparing our hearts for what we were about to face. Because now, more than ever, is the time that we need to embrace God's invitation to pray. To pray, to pray for each other, 
to pray for our families, our friends, our neighbors, for our community, for this region, and for this world. So even though the series is over, let's make sure that the prayer keeps on going, okay? Well, today we're now going to turn the page to a new month and a new message, which I'll get to in a moment. But first, I do need to get something out of the way. I talked about this last Wednesday in my Facebook live stream, so if you happen to catch that, just bear with me for a moment. But this has to do with last Sunday and some comments that I received about what I was wearing below the desk, right? Below the desk. Now, in a few moments, you know, I think some of you were genuinely worried that I had completely lost it, right? That I had completely lost it until I put your minds at ease with the great khaki reveal of 2020, right? You saw it, certainly one of the highlights in the history of Hopel. Well, anyways, I got a lot of feedback from you about that moment, and it led to my loving colleagues on staff throwing out a question on our mobile app, an instant poll for you as a congregation to answer. So here was that question. Last week, khakis. This week, dress pants, jeans, pajama pants, and shorts. Those were the choices, and you responded. Clearly, the people have spoken. 54% of you said pajama pants. So, because I'm a man of my word, and because I have no shred of dignity left anyways, I feel like I need to give the people what they want. So here we go. Actually, before I do that, I even brought some music to add to the moment. So here we go. we got that out of the way, right? And just rest assured that I'm not going to be doing this again anytime soon, especially, uh, you know, next Sunday's Easter and we got a lot of company coming over. So we're going to play it on the straight and narrow. Okay. You can excel, right? Now that we've got that out of the way on to today, which actually begins the journey of these next eight days that we call Holy Week. Holy Week, eight days that change the world, and even more importantly, one story that can change your life. Now, needless to say, our worship and our remembrance throughout Holy Week is going to look different this year compared to years past. Plans that we have been making for months, assuming that we would have live gatherings together, we've now had to alter those to address our present reality. And while I will miss seeing you and being with you, You know, there's another part of me that's strangely encouraged, knowing that we still get to worship together. We do, because there is nothing, absolutely nothing, not even this global COVID-19 pandemic that can stop us from celebrating the greatest news ever. When on that Easter Sunday, very early in the morning, the angel said to the women who had visited the tomb that he is not here. He is risen. He has risen, and because Jesus has indeed conquered the grave, we can have hope. You, me, all of us, we can have hope in all things and at all times. That's what this week of worship is ultimately about, right? Hope. And yet I got to tell you that you've got to go through a lot of darkness and a lot of heaviness to get there. You do. A lot of darkness, a lot of heaviness. And because of that, we've had several behind-the-scenes conversations as a staff talking about how we wanted to approach this week with all that we're going through with this pandemic. I mean, let's face it, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, 
relationally, vocationally, economically, you name it. We all are having to deal with our more than fair share of heaviness and darkness. And if I can shoot straight with you, I think a lot of that isn't going to go away anytime soon. And so because of that, we wondered if we should just lighten things up and alter the feel this year to just focus on themes like hope and joy and peace. But see, here's the thing. While it wouldn't be incorrect to say that those themes are what this week is all about, it would be incomplete. Not incorrect, but incomplete. In other words, don't miss this. It's okay. I really believe it's okay for us to step into the heaviness of Holy Week. Why? Because the darker the despair, the brighter the hope. The darker the despair, the brighter the hope. And so if we just skip to the last chapter of the story, we're going to soften the impact of this phenomenal surprise ending, right? And we're going to miss out on the full experience of that hope and joy and peace that our God wants us to experience. And see, that's what I want for you. I really do. And so that's how we are going to proceed. And so with that in mind, I want us to turn our attention to the beginning of Holy Week in the event that we now call Palm Sunday. Now, today, we're not going to dive into all the details of that story. If you want to know more, you can track those down and engage with last year's Palm Sunday message on our website through our sermon archives, right? But for now, let me just give you a quick flyover, right? That leading up to that first Palm Sunday nearly 2,000 years ago, many were wondering if this Jesus of Nazareth was indeed the Messiah, this miracle worker, this supernatural healer, this authoritative teacher, this religious disruptor, this compassionate friend. Was he the promised Messiah? the chosen one, the anointed of God from the lineage of David? Would this Jesus be the long-awaited deliverer who would rescue God's people from Roman oppression, who would make things all, all things right by establishing a new political kingdom? Was he the one? That was the question that was on everyone's mind. Well, for the longest time, even though the common masses were ready to crown Jesus king and call him Messiah. Jesus kept shrugging it off. He kept playing it cool until Passover season rolled around and Jesus rode into a jam-packed Jerusalem, mounted on a donkey and fulfilling the words of the Old, Old Testament prophet Zechariah, who spoke centuries before about this moment. Look at these words from the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 21, verse 4. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to your daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Matthew then goes on to tell us that this very large and very frenzied crowd responded by spreading their cloaks on the road before Jesus, along with palm branches that they had cut down from the trees nearby. This is what a spontaneous coronation looks like. And then, along with those actions, the crowds also cried out these words, verse 9. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that follow shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now the word Hosanna is a Hebrew expression, meaning Lord save us. Lord save us. Originally it was a prayer. It was a cry for help. Later on though, it became a confession of praise. So that saying Hosanna in the highest heaven is essentially proclaiming glory to God in the highest with all these praises centered on the one named Jesus, the one that the masses were recognizing as their Messiah, Hosanna to the Son of David. Then look what happens next. I love this, verse 10. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and they asked, who is this? Who is this? The 
The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Who is this? This is a question people are still asking 2,000 years later. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? Why does he matter and why should I care? This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Yes, he is that, but as we're going to see over these next eight days, he's also so much more. He really is. Well, after the dust settles surrounding Jesus' triumphal entry on Sunday, the ripples from all that hype carried over into Monday. And it's another profound, that ha- profound event that happened on that day that we're going to focus on today. So if you have a copy of the Bible with you, digital, paper, whatever, I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. You can also go to our mobile app and pull up the sermon notes there. But this is Monday after Palm Sunday, right? And so as we begin, Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, Let's take a look. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Now, while Matthew doesn't give us a timetable, Mark does in his gospel. He tells us that this happens the very next day, Monday morning, in fact, when the buzz from Sunday is still fresh on everyone's mind. So that's the when, but you know, what we really need to talk about here is the what, right? The what. What in the world is going on in this verse? Where Jesus is just losing it, right? Where he's violently turning over tables and he's forcefully driving people out of the temple. What gives, right? Well, let me explain. As I mentioned earlier, all these events were taking place during the Passover season. A season where all the Jews from across the Middle East would descend upon Jerusalem. They would make this pilgrimage to the temple where priests on their behalf would then offer animal sacrifices as prescribed by the Old Covenant for the atonement of their sins. So every year it was the same exhausting trip, the same identical rituals, the same gruesome sacrifices. Yet this was their understanding of what it meant to be forgiven and to be in right standing with the one true and holy God. And yet if you were one of those religious pilgrims, here was your challenge. That because the journey to Jerusalem was so long and so rigorous, you couldn't bother to bring your own animal sacrifice along. Rather, you waited till you got to the temple, right? Where you could buy them there on the spot. You'd buy a lamb if you had some means or a couple doves if you didn't. Now you would hope, right? You would hope that back then the religious leaders in charge would have had everyone's best interests in mind, but they didn't. They didn't. No, they preyed upon the sincere religious devotion of these good-hearted people. And so everything had a markup. Everything had a markup. Think movie, theater, popcorn. Think Football stadium nachos, right? Not only that, but every purchase had to be made with their particular currency, which meant that you also had to visit the table of the money changers who had their own price gouging schemes going on, right? So think hand sanitizer, think toilet paper. You get the picture, right? I mean, this is religion at its worst. It really is where those in charge cared nothing about these worshipers, let alone the God that they worship. No, they only cared about themselves. They abused their privileges to line their pocketbooks. That was the state of religion back then. So back to verse 12. Jesus enters the temple, drives out all who are buying and selling there. He overturns the table of these money changers. He he overturns the benches of those selling doves. You know, this is the culmination of Jesus's righteous indignation against a corrupt religious institution. He is angry, all right. But unlike our anger, that's usually filled with some mixed motives, his is completely pure and altogether righteous. You know, I'm especially taken by that very last phrase where it says 
that Jesus overturned the benches of those selling doves. Because this means that those sellers in particular were taking advantage of the poor. And so Jesus walks in, he takes a stand, he makes his point, and then he follows up by confronting those in charge with direct quotations from the Old Testament scriptures, right? Passages that these corrupt religious leaders would have known but did not obey. Verse 13, it is written, Jesus said to them, that my house will be called a house of prayer. But you, you are making it a den of robbers. You know, we don't have time today to do this, but if you went back to both of these Old Testament passages in Isaiah and in Jeremiah, and if you studied the context in which these words were spoken, you would see clearly and you would feel deeply both God's heart for the marginalized and God's hatred for the hypocritical. God's heart for the marginalized, his hatred for the hypocritical. In other words, that if you were going to smack talk those who were steeped in the scriptures, you couldn't have done it any more brilliantly and bluntly than Jesus does here. And so for those who were on the receiving end of that beatdown, they must have just stood there in stunned silence. So Jesus goes to the temple. First, he walks the walk with his actions. Then he talks the talk by quoting scripture. Now look what happens next. Verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. He healed them. Now, to me, this is absolutely fascinating on a couple different levels. First, the huge contrast, the blind and the lame. You could not have picked anyone more different than the leaders that Jesus confronted, right? No, these people in verse 14, they are physically impaired, they are economically disadvantaged, and they are socially excluded. And yet here they are, and they sense something in Jesus that is so different, so good, so pure, so hopeful, so life-giving than anything or anyone else they had ever known, ever. And so they come to Jesus in all their desperation, and he heals them. He heals them. It's such a beautiful picture. And see, that's the other fascination for me because the majority of mass healing miracles like these that Jesus performs, they happened on the front end of his ministry a few years earlier, early on in the gospel. But here we are, even to the very end, just a few days away from his crucifixion, and here's Jesus. He's still bringing hope to the hopeless, and he's still proclaiming the arrival of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, a kingdom that one day, when he comes again, will be established fully, finally, and forever, a kingdom where blindness and lameness and sickness and disease and everything else that's wrong with this world, including this dreaded coronavirus, where all of that will be no more, that this is the kingdom that Jesus came to bring. So right here, Jesus isn't just performing miracles. He's also proclaiming a message of hope that God has not abandoned his people. A message of hope that God has not abandoned his people. And even to this day, let me tell you, who couldn't use a message of hope like that? That God has not abandoned us. God has not abandoned you. And Jesus is proof of that. Well, if you think the contrast between Jesus and these religious leaders couldn't get any greater than this, Think again. Look at this, verse 15. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things, Jesus had just done a wonderful thing in healing, right? The blind and the lame. When they saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting, Hosanna in the temple courts, right? Hosanna to the son of David. They were what? They were indignant, outraged, incensed. I had to put this last word in red just to drive home the point. Because between them seeing Jesus do these wonderful things for the blind and the lame, and then them hearing all these children shouting another Hosanna in the temple courts, right? This exact same thing that they had heard the day before, Hosanna to the son of David. Well, this is just basically salt meat wound. Nitro meat glycerin. 
where the sting of the truth is just too much for them to handle. And so they go after Jesus. Verse 16, do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. (laughs) It's blasphemous. It's undignified. So Jesus, what are you going to do about it? Well, he answers them at the end of the verse. Yes, replied Jesus. Yeah, I did hear them. But have you never read that from the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have called forth your praise? As if Jesus quoting two Old Testament passages of scriptures wasn't enough, here comes a third one from Psalm chapter 8, verse 2. That from the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have called forth your praise. In other words, maybe these children didn't really know what they were saying. You know, when they were shouting Hosanna to the son of David and calling Jesus the Messiah, right? Maybe they didn't know, but you know what? In that moment, Jesus owns it. He owns it and he attributes what's going on to the Lord God Almighty himself that these religious leaders supposedly worshiped, right? It's an incredible moment. So now Jesus, he has clearly drawn a line in the sand between their corruption and his kingdom. And in drawing that line, it will eventually lead to his crucifixion. All that is what happened that Monday right after Palm Sunday. So from there, verse 17, and he left them and he went out of the city of Jerusalem, right? To Bethany, where he spent the night. After the showdown, Jesus leaves the city of Jerusalem, travels eastward and upward on the Mount of Olives to the nearby village of Bethany. And perhaps he stayed with his good friend Lazarus there, right? Along with his two sisters, Mary and Martha, right? They all lived in Bethany. That's how Monday night ends. So, What do you think of that story? And how does it make you feel about Jesus? You know, if I had to guess, I bet that some of you seeing this angry side of Jesus, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. I mean, to be honest, I don't think we ever get to this one, right? When we're teaching kids all the Sunday school stories about Jesus, right? Not only that, but when I talked at the beginning about this being a dark and heavy time for us, seeing this kind of tension, this kind of anxiety, this kind of conflict, it's got to just heighten the stress in us rather than take it away. So why even bother going through a passage like this in the first place? Well, yes, this is a heavy story. It is. But you know what? It's also a hopeful story. It's a hopeful story, and I want to tell you why. See, while religion often loses its way, Jesus will always be the way. Jesus will always be the way. God is real. He's real, and because we are created in his image, we all have an implanted instinct in our souls to want to know him and to want to worship him. We do. Unfortunately, we as humans are also messed up. We're messed up by our own sin and our own selfishness. And that includes even those of us who are in the business of religion, like me, right? It was true back then, it's still true today. And so unless we humbly receive God's grace and let him change us from the inside out, those of us who try to point people to God will often turn them away. We'll turn them away. See, that's why Jesus had to come to this earth and die on a cross and rise from a grave. And it's also why he completely lost it when he walked into the temple one last time. Why? Because religion was broken. Religion was broken. It had lost its way. And so maybe those in charge back then knew that, but they didn't want to give up all the power and the privileges and the perks and the prestige, right? They didn't want to give it up. That's why they couldn't stand the wonderful things that Jesus was doing, nor could they stand the prophetic truth that the children were proclaiming when they shouted Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant because they were exposed. That's what happened 
when Jesus walked into the temple on that Monday. Well, I want all of you to know that. For some of you, you really need to hear this. That while religion often loses its way, Jesus will always be the way. Because you know what? I think most of us, we are like those good-hearted, well-intended worshipers back then. The ones who made the annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem out of a genuine desire to experience forgiveness and to express gratitude. I think a lot of us are like that. And yet for some of you, somewhere in your life, sometime in your past, those in charge who you thought were once pointing you to God, they eventually lost their way and they turned you off to religion. Maybe like in this story, they were more about the money than they were about the message. Maybe like in this story, they became indignant and they lashed out when wonderful things were being done to help those in need. Why? Because it somehow threatened them, right? Or maybe they used their positions of power to prey upon the innocent in the name of God. And unfortunately, we've heard far too many horrific stories like that actually happening, right? And so when you've seen enough of it, and when maybe you've experienced it firsthand, it makes total sense why you would want to walk away from organized religion, right? And I also get why you would be hesitant to ever ever walk back inside a church building again, right? I get that. But see, that's why you need this story. And that's why I want you to know that those genuine religious instincts that you felt before, that they're really valid. They really are. They just need to find the right home. And that home is Jesus. Don't let the wounds from your past keep you from the hope and the healing that Jesus came to bring and that Jesus has for you. See, because in just a few days after this Monday, these imperfect rituals of yearly temple sacrifices, they're about to be replaced by one perfect sacrifice when Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, will lay down his life on the cross in our place for our sins so that we could be forgiven and so that we can be reconciled back to our God. Yes, religion often loses its way, but Jesus was and is and will always be the way. That's what we mean when we call him the Savior. So let this Holy Week be your invitation. Your invitation to come home to Jesus. Your invitation to call upon him to be your Savior. Your invitation to cry out your own Hosanna back to him and your invitation to experience all the love and forgiveness and joy and hope and peace that this Jesus has for you. Well, as I begin to wrap up, in thinking about today's passage, my mind weirdly flashed back to a well-known story I heard in my childhood, and I bet you probably heard it as well. It's a tale that was written nearly 200 years ago by the Danish author Hans Christian Andersen. It's a work he entitled The Emperor's New Clothes. The Emperor's New Clothes. And just to be clear, this has nothing to do with any of my future wardrobe choices, okay? Seriously, though, the gist of that tale is essentially what we've seen today. It is. The Emperor's New Clothes is the story of a vain emperor who's surrounded by people of prominence who were afraid of speaking up for fear of appearing disloyal to the crown or fear of looking unfit for their position. No, they loved the perks and the privilege too much, so they stayed quiet. Not only that, but even the townies went along with the deception. Why? Because that's what they were pressured to believe. It's only toward the end when a child... A child who's free from all the pretense shouts out the truth that this emperor isn't wearing any clothes at all. And after he shouts out that truth, the light goes on for the commoners as well. And they too agree that something's not right. And yet that's not how the tale ends. Because in the very last scene, we see an emperor who realizes the truth, but keeps on going anyways. 
That's what happened on that Monday after Palm Sunday. See, Jesus is just like that child in the tale. He is. He is the one who exposed the truth, and the religious leaders hated him for it. And not only were they indignant, but they were also intent to kill him by any means necessary. So, depending on who you are and what you value, the truth of Jesus, it will either set you free or tick you off. Can I say that again? That the truth of Jesus will either set you free or tick you off. That's why this week is so important. So even though we're going to engage with it differently than we normally do, we still get to take this journey into the truth. A journey that takes us from the temple on Monday to the cross on Friday and eventually to the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. And I can't wait to celebrate that with you. So I invite you to take this journey into the truth and let it set you free. Let it set you free. So as we kick off Holy Week, you know, my hope and prayer for all of us is that we would come to the one who is the way and the truth and the life. And that we would cry out our own Hosanna to the only one who is worthy of all our praise, and that we would build our lives upon the firm foundation of the great love that the Lord Jesus Christ has for us. Building our lives upon Jesus, now, always, and forever. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in this moment and in this message, you have taken us back into time when Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life, spoke truth with words and deeds in a confrontational way because he had to break down what was already broken so that he could build up what he was about to bring, a kingdom of light and life and love that endures forever. So we thank you, Jesus, that you took a stand for truth, a truth that if we embrace it, will set us free. God, even as I pray that, I pray especially for those who have been wounded and hurt by religion that has lost its way. They, they gave their trust and they were crushed and hurt in the end. Jesus, be their healer and give them hope and help them to see that though religion often loses its way, you are the way and that you have life and light and love and hope and healing for those who trust in you, who cry out their own Hosanna, their own Lord save us, and embrace you as Savior. And God, I invite everyone listening and watching to take that step and to confess you as their own Savior. For all of us, Lord, thank you for the beauty and the majesty of this story. Thank you, Jesus, that you went to the greatest lengths possible to save us, to rescue us, to forgive us, to redeem us, to reconcile us, and to bring us into relationship with the God we were always meant to worship. And so as we take this journey in Holy Week, open the eyes of our heart that we may see you, Jesus, more clearly than ever before so that we will build our lives upon the firm foundation of your great love. This we pray in your name, Jesus.
Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you song that says, I will put my trust in you and not be shaken. I mean, let's face it, these are very unsteadying times. But even in the midst of the chaos, we can know that Jesus Christ and his great love for us is a firm foundation. Always. Always. Well, just a few things before I wrap up. First of all, if you're not doing so already, we want, would love for you to stay connected with us. And there are different ways you can do that. You can do that through our website. You can do that through our mobile app. And you can do it through our social media channels, especially Facebook. We're doing a lot there these days. If you're visiting with us today and you're new to Hopevale, welcome. Great to have you. I want to encourage you to go to our website and visit our welcome page, hopevale.org new. There, you can find more information about our church. You can pass along a prayer request, and you can also fill out a virtual visitor information card. Second, I just want to say to thank you to those of you who are continuing to give to the Lord through the ministry of Hopal, especially during these uncertain times. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. And I also, too, if you feel led to give, you can do that in different ways as well. You can go to our website, hopevale.org give. 
You can give through our mobile app. And if you don't have that, just text the word Hopevale to 77977. You can also mail your gift to our Saginaw Ministry Center or just drop it off directly there. Well, as we head into Holy Week this week, our plans are going to be different since we can't meet together physically in one location. So that means something different for Easter next Sunday, but let me tell you, it's still going to be great. It also means a change in plans for this Thursday when we would typically meet in the evening for our Monday Thursday communion services. And while it's disappointing that we won't be able to do that, we've made some great alternative plans to help you journey with Jesus in the final hours of his day and to worship that way right in your own home. I'm going to tell you more about that this Wednesday night as part of my Facebook live stream. And we're also going to get some information out to you on Wednesday and Thursday more about these resources, resources to help encourage your heart and deepen your faith. I'm looking forward to that, but until then, this is Pastor Dan signing off. May God bless you as you head into your week. Stay healthy. Be hopeful.